And uh, now, Father, we, we open your word, and we need to be instructed by it. We need to be encouraged by it. And I pray that you give us wisdom and insight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the official last sermon of this summer of 2017. Okay? Dylan, aren't you glad you're here to hear this one? Yes, he is. He's just thrilled that he's here to hear this particular sermon. Were you able to do anything this summer or anticipation at the beginning of the summer, right? End of May. We're all looking at the summer's coming. Did, were you able to fulfill some of those things that you were anticipating coming with the summer? I hope so. From a ministry perspective, it's been a fascinating summer. One of the first things come to my mind is simply the baptisms. We did two baptisms this summer. We did five last week, which was a blessing to do. At the, at the end of the summer, but at the outset of the summer, we had our first baptism, baptismal service we ever had out at Horse and Bible Camp. What a fascinating time. And that was just a wonderful thing, dimension to add into that. Got to throw in a youth trip, and I got to travel with Evan for the first time and his wife, Rochelle. So that was fun to see how they interacted with the kids. Of course, there was a Vienna trip in there. That was just relative to things. Watching Cruiser with the Man Cave. Just fascinating. These men just love this guy. And he took over the summer ministry of the man cave and he served these guys and they appreciated it and he did a great job. So fun to watch that unfold. So those are ministry things that at the outset of the summer you look at these things. And then of course there's the personal things. A family reunion for us. It was a family reunion uh, at the beginning of July. It was a trip for Lori and I were able to take to Florida, see our daughter and our son who were down there. Good stuff. How about yourself? Did you have some things you felt like, yeah, the summer went well to the, according to these plans? Now, it's obvious that each one of us during the course of our summer also had things not work according to our plans. And that is life. And we've been praying about some of those things. Now, as we wrap up the summer, we begin to look at the fall. What are we expecting for the fall? What do we have happening in the fall, as best we can see, humanly speaking. Myself, a couple of work projects at home that I'm committed to do my best to get them done, uh, hopefully before the snow flies. So I've got those kind of things on the schedule. But ministry-wise, we've got some things that I know I anticipate every year. One, we've got two fairs, two fairs. We have the Five Cent Family Fun Fair. That's going to happen next Saturday. We need your help. We agreed as a congregation we're going to do this. We are actually going to add in four to five new events that weren't there. Now, you can see some of the older events that we've pulled out. Miles pulled them out. And that uh, they're sitting ready to be set up during the course of this next week. But we got four or five other ones that we're going to hopefully introduce and bring into the picture. And so that's going to be uh, that's going to be a good thing. We got that, and then we've got the other fair is the ministry fair. That thing that is going to describe for us in a couple of weeks all the places where we can get involved, all the places where maybe they need volunteers, or maybe we just want to come on board with. Oh, there's a Bible study at this time. You know, I could use that Bible study, and I'm going to step in. And I'm going to participate in that Bible study. Oh, they need help with Awana. I think I could do that. Maybe God's calling us to do that. So the ministry fairs, those are. Exciting. I got a concept for the man cave. I'm looking forward to discussing with some of our men and seeing if we can introduce that into how we're doing ministry to men. For me, of course, every time of this year, I've just come to anticipate.
anticipate God's surprises as much as anything. I've talked to some people about that. Because there's always things that God brings into the picture that are not uh, things we had scheduled. Like we knew right now at the beginning of September, hey, this will be happening at such and such a time next February. And somehow God brings them into the picture. They're a blessing to us. I'm waiting just to see what's going to happen with those. But for me, I can say this honestly, friends, after this, not only this last summer, but what this entire last year from August to August has been about, the big thing that I am looking forward to, the big thing for me, is reconnecting with people. I've noticed there's been a couple of people who've said to me in the course of the last week how they just feel disconnected from the body here. That summer is good, summer's fun, there's all sorts of things we do, but there comes a point where you go, you know, amidst all of these things that we're doing, they haven't allowed me to connect with my brothers and sisters in Christ as I would like, and I'm ready to be back and connect with these people who are dear and precious to me. That's why I'm looking forward to today's passage and the fact that in God's sovereign direction it falls on today. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, places a significant emphasis on the value and even the necessity of our being back in connection with each other. That the summer was good and we did a lot of things and we accomplished some goals and we were disappointed on some others, but it's time to come back together and say we need to accomplish some things in relationship with each other. Now, friends, much of the book of Hebrews is an encouragement to some who were being tempted to abandon their devotion to Christ. And the encouragement was that we need to draw closer to him, not abandon our devotion to him. And at the very core of this encouragement is this this phrase that referenced that, that we have this anchor for our soul, an anchor for our soul in a better covenant and a better priesthood wrought by Jesus Christ. And the, and the writer is laying out this argument why it would not be wise to turn away from a devotion to Christ. And in light of these two unchangeable promises of having a better covenant and a better priesthood, here's what we've seen all far, so far. In light of these two things, in verse 22, we saw that because of a better covenant and a better priesthood, We move in to God's presence. Draw near into the holy of holies. Draw near to where God is revealing himself. Don't turn away from this redemptive work that he is doing. Draw into it. Go in. Move in. Enter in. The way had not been made before. Now the way has been made that we have have access back into the very presence of God who, who is dynamically going to be engaged in our lives. So enter into that. Don't turn away from it. Make a wise and seasoned and, and understanding decision to go deeper in our devotion to Jesus Christ, not to turn back from it. So we, we move in. 
Secondly, verse 23, because of a better covenant and better priesthood, we lock down on God's promises. We need to understand what it is that is immutable. It's unchangeable. It cannot be shaken. And that is why we have an anchor for the soul. We don't give up no matter what. We don't let any rising sea, raging storm, any hurricane wind that blows our way, we don't let it disconnect us from the promises of God that cannot fail. And so we lock down. Those are the things that we've already seen in verses 22 and 23. And then that leads us up to a passage for today that speaks to to what we've been discussing here about connecting with each other. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, we get the, the third exhortation based upon these two promises of a better covenant and a better priesthood. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Because of a better covenant and a better priesthood, the third thing we understand is we team up with God's people. We team up with God's people. Friends, here's the simple reality. We need each other. It is the very, very rare individual who will maintain a vibrant Christian experience in isolation. We need each other. God has placed us in a body whereby we are interdependent. We like to think that we're independent, that I can make my, all my own decisions, I can live my own life, I can be my own person. Okay, that's the American way. And politically speaking, that's fine. But when it comes to growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. We need each other. We've been designed to be interdependent upon one another. Ephesians speaks of a body whereby every joint adds something to that which is going on in the body around it. Receives and gives to the body. Receives from and gives to the body. Plain and simple. We need each other. That's why, as we continue to do this, sometimes I know if you're like me, you're asking, why do we have to do this, Gary? I hate when you come to that third Sunday and you do the remind me again Sunday. We all find it awkward. We're being intentional because we're building on this idea that we all need each other. And we know that there are people who come here every Sunday and they're looking for some connection, something from a brother or a sister in the Lord to give them some encouragement to move on in their faith, to give them a reason to say, you know what, this whole Christ-centered thing really does matter. You don't think we need each other? Let me ask you a question. When you walk into this place on a Sunday morning, what are the two things you're looking for? When you first walk in, 
You're looking for a place where we've got enough body space, you know, personal space around us that I can not going to crowd somebody on the one hand, but on the other hand, you're looking for those people that you already know you'll connect with, right? Oh, I don't know them very well, so I'm not going to go sit over there because I've got to go sit by somebody with whom I connect, somebody who I know I like and they like me and we don't have to get awkward. What's all of, you know, you're looking for it, right? You come in looking for that, That's not necessarily bad. It's who we are as humans. We need the connection. That's what this text is speaking to, our need for that connection with one another in the body of Christ. I've come across, I won't say dozens of people, but I have certainly come across a few people in the course of ministry who are not church attenders. And here's what they've told me. Oh yeah, I tried the church thing and it didn't work for me. I tried the church thing. It didn't work for me. And I know from what they've said, they never tried the church thing. What they're saying is, I went to church once or twice and I didn't get it. Well, if the church thing was just attending a service from 1030 to 1145, I wouldn't get it either. But the church is the people. The church is a dynamic entity of believers who gather together and minister to each other and invest in each other's lives and draw from each other's lives. And when we get to the end, and this is why when we get to the end of a summer when everybody's been out doing the summer things that we need to do, and I don't speak negatively of it at all, but that's why we come back about this time and we go, ugh. I don't feel right about something. What am I not feeling right about? If I'm not feeling right, because I'm not connected to God's people. And I need to be back with God's people. And I need to be connected. I'm thinking of somebody in particular who recently told me that she tried the church thing and it didn't work for her. And I know for a fact, because I know the individual, that when you stepped into the church thing, you expected to be in control. You're a leader in the world of business. And you expected that somehow it, this is gonna, you're going to find something there where you can stay in control, you can tell people what they need to do, you can organize and direct, and that's what wasn't working for you. You, took, you did not take enough time to get to know somebody in Christ, to begin to allow the Word to impact your life. To yield yourself that God maybe wants to use these people that you see potentially as somebody you should be directing on how they should do everything even though you haven't been in the church in 30 years but you would know what they ought to do because you're an organizer and a planner and a doer. And you haven't given God time enough to show you some gracious, loving, caring people who will come alongside of you and help you begin to process what God is really trying to do in this redemptive work. So you come, you can't control it, and so you leave. Say, it didn't work for me. That's not going to work in that context. There's no magic thing about this. It's not an instant fix. It's a shared journey. A shared journey as each one of us, uniquely redeemed by God, is trying to understand, how is God shaping Christ in me? What does that look like? 
What does it feel like? What's it sound like? How does it work out in my day-to-day experience? And I only understand that as I see God shaping Christ in you. Oh, I get it. Not that your journey becomes my journey, but you help me understand this is what Christ-likeness looks like. So we need each other as we're on a shared journey. See, the writer said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as, the manner, as is the manner of some. We've got to come together, friends. We've got to come together. That's how it is. We, that's part of what needs to be happening while we are here is that we are connecting with each other, building relationships with each other, taking the time to get engaged in each other's lives and finding out what's happening with each other. Because if we just come, we sing some songs, we listen to the pastor open a Bible and say a few words and leave, we're going to miss the dynamic that God is trying to build into us because we have not forsaken our time together. But we have said, you know what, I need some people around me. And I need to keep, I need to keep seeking this thing out until uh, I've found some people whereby it is, it's comfortable that we can minister into each other's lives. Now, let's just, let's just notice that at the core of that, about not forsaking our time together, that that's at the core of what we need to do. Notice that there's three things that the writer to the Hebrews in these two verses also points out need to happen. Here's why we need to get together with each other. Number one, we need each other to keep our purpose Clear. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Isn't that what God has called us to be about as Christ is shaped in us? What did he say would identify us to a world in darkness? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. That's the thing that's going to set us apart. We need to learn what that means to live in love with each other, don't we? The other thing that is connected there is we're to stir one another up to love and good works. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has foreordained that we should walk in them. That God has stuff that he wants us engaged in. That living for the kingdom means that God makes some calls on our lives whereby he directs what it is we engage ourselves in so that that the kingdom can move forward, so that the light of the gospel can be seen. But we're to encourage one another to love and good works. And if I don't get reminded that that's who I am to be in Jesus Christ, that I'm to be a vessel of love engaged in the good works, those things that God's calling me to do for the sake of the kingdom. If I don't get reminded of that from time to time, do you know what I want to live for? I want to live for Gary, and that's all there is to it. And I need the reminder that God's doing something way bigger than Gary here. He's doing a, building a kingdom in the, perpet, in the person of his son. And he's called us to be a part of that kingdom work. 
oh yeah, that's right. That's the purpose of my life. That's why God has, has given, that's the new journey that God has given me, the new path that he set me on. And so I need some other brothers who are, and sisters who are engaged in this, who are living in love, who are living as servants, living out God's direction in their lives and they're paying attention. And that reminds me, oh yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me know my life is to be lived for greater things now that I'm a believer than just the stuff that I could have lived whether I ever came to Christ or not. So one, we need each other to keep our purpose clear. God has called us to love and to good works. And do you know that whole love thing, friends? Man, do you understand? I just, I, I, I don't want to belabor this, but do you understand how we could change the world? Literally, if we took that seriously? Understand that? Do you understand how our churches would be cram-packed full if we learned what loving really is to look like as Jesus loved? Isn't that a great challenge? Isn't that a great thing to consider? Wow, Lord, maybe there's a growth edge right here for the, the church as a whole. The church as a whole. And that would include us in that. So that when I came to church, it wasn't just about my connecting with others where I was comfortable. But when I came to church, I learned to keep my eyes open for others who maybe need the touch of God's love today. Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe it's a face I've never seen before. And uh, they're here among strangers. Who's going to reach out to them? Who's going to show them? The love of God. I I am convinced this issue is something that the church, at least in America, has not figured out yet. I'm convinced of it because no matter who I talk to from any part of the country, I hear the same story. And how we tend to just get clumped up among where we are comfortable. And we kind of lose track. There's other people around us. So, just a thought. We need to spur one another to love and good works. That's number one. Secondly, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. We need each other to keep our courage strong. To keep our courage strong. Now remember, the writer to the, to the people of the Hebrews that he's writing to, they're on the verge of saying, I'm not sure I want to keep walking with Jesus Christ. I'm not sure it merits the price it's, it looks like it's going to cost me to continue to serve Jesus Christ. And when we're at that place, we need somebody to help keep our courage up. Now why do I say that? The word, it's an interesting word. It's a word you've heard before. It's a word which we have applied directly to the Holy Spirit of God. When we drive, uh, apply it directly to the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said in the book of John, I will send you another comforter when the comforter has come. Now those of you who have studied that immediately are going, oh, the paraclete. That one, that word, I've heard that word before about the comforter and the Spirit of God is going to come. The word means literally called alongside. So this other one will be called alongside of us, the Holy Spirit of God who comes and comforts us. It's the same word, that the exact same word that we have here, that we are to be exhorting one another. Which is, I wish they hadn't gone with that. I wish they'd gone with comforting. Encouraging 
because we're in a battle. Are we not, friends? Just look at the things that we have prayed for here. We have families that are battling serious, painful, hard things. And the evil one is going to want to pick us off one by one as he seeks to isolate us away from one another where we can't find the strength and the encouragement. He's going to pick us off one by one. And there are times when we, are, when we have moved in, we have locked down, and we need to team up with some brothers who will then help us keep our courage up. As You know what? Sometimes I'm not sure it's worth it. Sometimes I feel like I'm losing my grip. Sometimes I'm not sure if God is even hearing my prayers. Sometimes I'm wondering if he, does he really love me in light of what I am going through? You felt that, haven't you? Don't tell me you haven't because we all have. I certainly have. And I need some brothers and sisters around me who will bring comfort and speak courage into my life and remind me that, hey, we're hanging on here and we are with you, okay? You may feel like you're about to get washed off the deck of this thing, okay? But we're locked down and we're shoulder to shoulder and we're not letting you go. And so we get through that next wave or two or three waves because somebody simply held on to us. And they helped us keep our courage up so that we could get through the storm. And some days we need to hold somebody in place so they get through the storm. And someday we need somebody to hold us in place so we get through the storm. That's why we need each other, friends. We need to, each other to keep our courage strong. And so we speak comfort into each other's life. We exhort one another, hang on, I've got you. There are brothers and sisters around you. We're holding on to you. We're praying for you. We're here for you. What can we do to help you through this? And we get through. We need that. Rather than expecting each one of us somehow has to get through this trials and storms of life completely on our own. It's like, well, another one washed off the deck. I wonder why they did that. That we get blown off the deck, right? Because there was nobody there to hold each other on. And the writer to Hebrews is saying, look, we need each other. We need each other to keep our purpose clear. We need each other to keep our courage strong. And we need each other to keep our eyes open. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, as we understand redemptive history, it is clear that redemptive history is not this thing that just kind of goes on day by day with no end in sight. There is an end to this kingdom that God is building. There is a redemptive end that is coming, but the end of it carries with it some pretty amazing cataclysm, if you will. And it is not going to get easier as we move closer to the day of Christ's return, as we move closer to the day because the battle is going to become more and more evident. We see it in our culture, and I don't want to get into a long uh, political discussion. I don't want to go there. But do you think that as time goes on, do you, do you anticipate that there's going to be this growing love for God's kingdom as the battle among nations and the kingdoms in conflict as it, as it grows greater to the time of Christ's coming. Jesus described the love of many will grow cold. All right? People are not going to naturally go, oh man, we just really love Christians. 
Christians are great, aren't they? No, expect Christians to be the fall guy. Expect what we believe, what we say, how we live to be twisted, to be turned into something that it's not. And when that happens, and the Christ is even greater and more real to live for Jesus Christ, to live for a kingdom that is in rebellion, or, or not in rebellion, is, is an antithetical to a world system, we're going to need one another. We're going to need our brothers and sisters around us all the more to say, look, we're staying true to this. And regardless of the cost and regardless of what the world system may say, we are not stopping. And we are not abandoning this for a more popular perspective just to fit in. It's not going to get easier, friends. So we need each other to keep our eyes open as Christ's return comes nearer every day and as things are going to get more difficult. So, here's some questions that we just want to just consider briefly. One just about us as individuals. As we're back now, end of the summer, being exhorted by the word that says we need each other So let's not abandon the gathering of ourselves together. How will we feed our own spirit, first of all? How are we going to remain vibrant within the body of Christ? There's a ministry fair coming. Check out. Do you know we have a number of people who are hosting Bible studies? How exciting is that? That we have people opening their homes opening their lives to anybody who wants to come, to be in the word, to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ so that we might all move on in this journey and be successful. Maybe God would call us to get get engaged in what happens here regularly on a Wednesday night and maybe the way he gets us engaged in the body of Christ is says, he's like, hey, there's a Bible study that meets here. Great. If that's what God's calling, great. But he may also, God may be going, you know what? I want to use you in the body of Christ, not just for you to absorb. And there's, there's youth work going on, and they can use help. There's a wana that goes on, and they could use help. There's always administrative things. There's kids that need somebody to sit with them, listen to verses, all of this stuff that's there. How are we going to be engaged? Because we need each other, and God has put us in the body of Christ together. So there's that. What are we what are we going to do, friends? The summer's over. How are we going to reconnect with our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? Because of a better covenant and a better priesthood, we team up with God's people. How are we going to team up with God's people this fall because we need each other? The second thing that I want, that's just for us individually to consider, but there's this other thing because we're in the body of Christ, not only to receive but to give, how will we help Others. I'm thinking I want to come back to the person who I said I tried the church thing. It didn't work for me. Now, every individual has some responsibilities of their own. I can't make, we can't make somebody else's life go a direction that, that's better for them. They've got to make some choices. But you know what? We can set an atmosphere. Can we not? We can set the atmosphere in here that says we're an inviting place. That we don't, we don't kind of just, oh, somebody new, I don't want to 
really get involved in their lives and they might be kind of a problem and I got too many other things to do. Are we an inviting place? Are we a place where the seat next to us is always open for a visitor, for a new face? Maybe even somebody who comes with a reputation that's not all that savory. But we understand, as we just heard Wendy sing, there's nothing greater than grace. We understand that God redeemed us out of the wretchedness of our lives. And he wants to use us to reach others. And so the seat is open next to us for whomever God brings because God's grace is able to touch them. I heard an interesting quote. Where is this in the last week or so? Um, oh, Larry, I think you had sent it to me in an email. I think that was it. Uh, but the, the guy, a guy made an observation that presently, in terms of what God's doing in his redemptive work, that God is always working and God is always doing something. Okay, and he is redeeming lost people to himself. God made the observation, you realize the next Billy Graham could be drunk right now? Oh, yeah. I guess that's a possibility, isn't it? So that person who comes to us and, and, and we know that they haven't got the greatest of reputations and they maybe don't smell the best. And, but you know what? God wants to do a redeeming work and so we keep a chair open for them. Are we inviting Are we welcoming? Is every sinner welcome here? Because we truly believe there's nothing greater than the grace of God and the greatest privilege and joy we have is to share it with others. And so they're all welcome here. Or we like, eh, we like the good ones to come. We'd like, we'd, like to, we'd like to kind of set a filter at the door and say, well, if you're not quite as far advanced as we are in this Jesus thing, and your life isn't cleaned up enough, then, then maybe there's another church for you, but not here. No, friends. No. People need to find a place whereby, yeah, they can come and they're invited and they're welcomed to take that next step. Now, it's up to them to do it. If they just come in, they want to control things, and they find out they can't, and they leave, they say, a church thing didn't work for me. It's like, no. You didn't understand what was going on, but we can at least provide the place for somebody to explore as deeply as they, to which they are open as to what would God be doing in my life. We say, come on along. Here's a spot right here for you. We're trying to learn it for our own lives. We're finding it. It's pretty cool, pretty amazing what God is doing. And so here's a spot for you. Will you feel free to join us? Because we're all on a journey. And it's amazing to see what God is doing. So how are we going to feed our own spirits? And how are we as a church going to be welcoming and inviting to the new people who come in, to the strangers who come in, to those who have not yet met our Savior or maybe have and have messed up and they're looking to restart maybe? That's where we have a magnificent privilege in ministering to others. Father, we thank you for the the privilege that is ours. Lord, you exhort us to do not abandon the gathering of ourselves together. Lord, we need each other. We need to be open to the work you're doing between us, Father. 
because we're on a journey and we're in a battle and we can't do it alone, Lord. So open us up to the magnificent reality of how you want to shape us as a body. Believers in Jesus Christ ministering to one another till we all come to full maturity, Father. Thank you for this privilege. Help us make decisions that are good. Whether it is a decision to start by simply signing up for the Five Cent Family Fund Fair and being willing to serve, getting engaged in good works in that way. Whether it is a decision, Father, to be in a Bible study that will feed our own souls. Whether it's a fresh new look, Lord, to, to think of, uh, of every day when we gather here that we look for that, that stranger among us. The person who maybe doesn't look or feel welcome. But we're going to make a place for them, Lord. However it is you would work in us, do so. And may we have hearts that respond with a yes, Lord. Yes to what you're directing in my life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.